What's up, coaches? We're really excited because uh, football starts finally for us here in Oklahoma, uh, up in Iowa. So uh, we're extremely excited for this week. Uh, hopefully your guys' fall camps are going well, getting ready to get into the season. If you guys need anything from us, go to runthepower.com. We've got a lot of uh, different videos for premium members, only $12 a month, or our standard members, which are free. Uh, you can also ask us, uh, hit us up anywhere uh, on Twitter. Hit us up uh, at our email, coach at runthepower.com, if you guys need anything from us. Uh, again, want to see any install videos uh, or podcasts or anything, you can find that all on our website, runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Vices. Vices football helmets are different than other helmets on the market. Their design reduces impact forces by yielding a collision similar to a car bumper. Concept so unique that the helmet was named one of Time Magazine's top 25 inventions of 2017. The 0-1 is the top helmet at every level of football. Nearly every NFL team has starters in the 0-1, including both the Super Bowl MVP and the overall league MVP last season. Over 140 college teams, 1,500 high school programs, and hundreds of middle school and youth teams have made the switch to the Vices 01 and 01 youth helmets. Protect your athletes with the top performing helmets in the game. For more information about Vices technology or to request team pricing for financing options, visit Vices.com on the web, which is V-I-C-I-S. Vices, protect the athlete and elevate the game. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder is again offering uh, coaches all across the country a free in-season football strength program. As you may rec recall, the New England Patriots squat up to 90% of their one-rep max deep into the playoffs. If your in-season strength conditioning philosophy is to just maintain, then you're doing it wrong. You can get the program once you start a 14-day free trial with Team Builder. Just reach out and tell them that you heard it from me, uh, Coach Harper, and the RTP podcast. Or just use the code RTP when you sign up for your free trial. Again, that's teambuilder.com and enter the code RTP or let them know that Rowdy sent you. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Just Play. Whether you're an individual looking for a personal playbook tool or on staff for a program looking to improve your team's preparation, Just Play has a solution for you. This week we'd like to tell you about their newest product, My Just Play. My Just Play is a personal playbook tool for coaches at all levels. Create and organize your playbook with terminology, diagrams, video, and assignments, all starting at just $10 a month. Learn more at myjustplay.com. That's myjustplay.com. And lastly, this episode is brought to you by Huddle. Your ideal Friday night during football season probably goes like this. An awesome W for the team, an instant game film upload, and at least a few hours of sleep. Huddle can help you make it all happen with just one product, Huddle Sideline. With instant replay at your disposal, you can help your team make any necessary adjustments in real time. You don't have to wait for halftime. But not only does Sideline improve your chances of getting that W, it also makes post-game uploads a breeze. Every clip your camera records can be uploaded from an iPad over Wi-Fi. And if you have multiple angles, the app will automatically intercut them. You can even ODK each clip during the game. Data gets uploaded too. Nothing like a head start on your analysis to give you a sound night's sleep, right? Get this add-on to your Huddle subscription now to make sure you're ready for a successful and well-rested season. Visit huddle.com slash RTP sideline for more details. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Brad Dixon. Coach Dixon is the head football coach, head strength and speed coach, and head track coach at Central High School in Camp Point, Illinois. 
Listen as we talk with Coach Dixon about how he has adapted principles from Tony Holler's Feed the Cats program to enrich his football and athletic program in Camp Point. He shares his weekly practice schedule, lifting and running plans, and the why behind what he does. You can follow Coach Dixon on Twitter at Coach B. Dixon. Hope you guys enjoy. I guess my coaching background um, really started when I was a player. I, uh, I, my freshman year of uh, high school football, I was about uh, five, six, 200 pounds and not very good. Um, but I had kind of grown up watching the game and I knew the game. And so our defensive coordinator at the time at the varsity level um, asked me, and this is before huddle and all those, you know, fancy things that we have now, if I would stand by him on the sidelines and track uh, his calls. And so I did that my freshman year and really uh, some of my sophomore year uh, before I was able to be a, a varsity player um, my uh, junior and senior year. And then basketball is kind of the same thing. I played my freshman year. I wasn't very good. Uh, I wasn't going to go out. And uh, the coach wanted to know if I wanted to stay on and be a student assistant. Um, and he really gave me, you know, input into various different things. And uh, so I guess that's kind of where my coaching background started when I when I was in high school, and then I played a year of college football at Knox College. Um, and after that first year, I ended up uh, transferring back to junior college, and uh, I started coaching then at the age of 19 as an assistant, and that's kind of how it got me into that. And I think this year I'll be starting uh, year 17. You've been at the same spot then for 17 years, Coach? I, I, I was at my alma mater uh, where I graduated from for the first four uh, and then I've been 13 years here at uh, Camp Point Central. So once I graduated college, I uh, moved to Camp Point. I didn't even know where that was. Um, it was about two hours away from my hometown, but it was a job, uh, you know, back in 2007. And, and those were a little harder to come by, those teaching jobs at that point. So uh, I went down there because I needed a job and uh, never left since. How's your uh, kind of your coaching philosophy then, you know, evolved over those years, you know, being in one spot, you know, you, you're young, you're a young coach. We all, we all, you know, we're going to solve the world when we're, when we're young. I remember when I first started out and, you know, I thought I, I had the, had it all, all figured out, you know, no one could tell me anything. And, and then I, you know, become a head coach and wow, I did have a lot of things to learn. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was essentially, when I first started at the age of 19, I was an extension of a player. I, I, uh, I wanted to win so bad, and and uh, if the kids performed well, I was happy, and if they didn't, uh, I wasn't very nice to them, and, and I expected all the kids to, to do it exactly the way that I expected them to, and and uh, I did very little uh, of any type of building up men off the field, um, really for probably the first uh, six or seven years. The main focus was on how we could win football games, and, and then once I became a head coach, um, that changed. And, and there was, you know, one, one main moment that that really changed was my first year as a head coach who had a really good team. Um, and we went undefeated in the regular season and um, had won our first round playoff game uh, only for the second time in school history. Uh, and so we were playing in the second round against a really good Williamsville team um, here in Illinois. And um, we got down in that game like 21 to nothing. And we got it to 21, seven and a half and, and they kicked the field goal in the second half. It was 23 to seven. And we battled all the way back to tie it and force the game into overtime. This was at our home field. And um, 
uh, on our first series, we got stopped and ended up kicking a field goal. Um, and so we were up 26-23, and um, Williamsville got down into a fourth and goal from the three situation, and they completed a little hitch route to their slot receiver and, and uh, won the game on the last play. We, if we had stopped and we would have went to the quarterfinals, and, and uh, I just remember our guys, um, just how distraught they were and how they were just laying on the field. They had left everything they had on the field for us. And, and I, it really hit me at that moment that uh, there's way more to this game than winning because I, I you know, I'm frustrated that we lost, but uh, to me that the fact that they battled and that it was much more than that. And, and really from that point on, we've been trying to be a lot more intentional with how we do things. And, and um, you know, we try to win because of who we are and, and what we believe in, not because of some fancy scheme or, or, or some way that we outcoach people. Coach, what are some things, I mean, I know, you know, that, that you, know, you have that moment or whatever, what are some things that you kind of instantly went to, to, to almost like, you know what, Hey, maybe we're going about this the wrong way. And uh, what were some things you kind of went to instantly to maybe, you know, make sure that you guys were poured into those kids, you know, what were some of those, those early strategies and then how has it maybe evolved to now where maybe you have kind of your pillars of, uh, of camp point football. Yeah, yeah. When we started that next year in 2012, we decided to kind of revamp our whole summer and, and put a lot of ownership on the kids. And and uh, we instituted a, the NFL style draft. Uh, so um, I created a, a and what we called it was the no excuse league. We created an NEL logo. We had a draft. We had music. We had the jerseys. We had the hats. Uh, we had captains that were responsible for their team. We competed. Uh, we took them to the bowling alley. We had a home run derby. Uh, we had a three-point shootout with helmet and shoulder pads on, and we just did a lot of different stuff in the summer. It wasn't just show up and lift weights and run and go home, and we really tried to to make it fun and make it exciting, And but it was still really about, you know, getting better at football, um, and so we did that for a few years, and, and then uh, we really saw a need for, uh, you know, just trying to become better men. And so uh, in 2014, I, I was lucky enough in, in January of that year to, to go to the AFCA convention when it was in Indianapolis. Um, they gave us uh, really cheap rates through our uh, Illinois Coaches Association. And, and I run across, across a coach from Minnetonka, Minnesota. And he talked about this team retreat that his guys would go on um, and how they would go to this camp and they would spend a few days um, and they would take their cell phones away from them and they would just do nothing but team building stuff. And, and so that first summer, um, we implemented that and, and it was an awesome experience. The kids got on the bus, we took their cell phones from them. Um, and we just planned an entire weekend from Friday afternoon until midday Sunday of just competitions and fun team building exercises. Um, and we kind of developed this motto uh, of being a freak. Um, because we know what a freak is on the football field is someone that plays relentlessly and, and someone that, that's one of the best players you've ever seen. Uh, we want our guys to define that uh, off the field and on the field. And so one of the first activities we did is we defined, you know, what we wanted those pillars to be and that the F and freak stands for finish on empty. The R stands for relentless effort. Um, the E stands for embrace competition. The A stands for always accountable. Uh, and the K is known for discipline. And we wanted, our, we wanted to be able to see our guys throughout the various aspects, the school day, the weight room, you know, off the field, on the field, tangible things that would define us as that, and not just the scoreboard. And uh, so 
we laid this out and we had a, a chart and we, we had columns at the top that said, you know, what does it mean to finish on empty in school? What does it mean to finish on empty in the weight room? What does it mean to finish on empty? You know, if someone was to show up to our practice and, you know, how could they see it? And so we, we locked, didn't lock them, but we put them in a room for an hour just with our captains and the coaches. We left them alone and, and we're thinking, man, this is going to be so good. And these guys are coming with really good stuff. And we come back within an hour and I, I think they finished in like 10 minutes and they had every cliche. It was nothing but we're going to work hard. We're going to do the best we can. <laughs> we're like, guys, 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 <laughs> no one knows what that means. What does it mean? And so we spent, <laughs> The next hour walking through it and we didn't even get maybe two of the columns and then I met with the seniors multiple other times that summer and we defined specific things you know what does it mean to finish on emptying the weight room you finish every one of your sets uh, what does it mean to finish on emptying the classroom you work until the bell rings what does it mean in life you you know you finish the chores that your parents and we started coming up with things what is relentless effort on the football field it's where you block to the whistle you know, what does it mean in the classroom? It means that you have no late assignments. And, and we just, we work through those things. And, you know, I'm not saying that our kids are perfect and, and um, you know, they always do all those things all the time, but it defines what we want our guys to be besides good football players who put a good product to field on Friday night. You know, we, I, I always tell our guys, if someone were to show up and I were to give them this chart, they should be able to see these things when they watch us practice, if they were to walk, follow you in the classroom, or if they were to, you know, come to one of our weight room sessions. And so that's kind of become our mantra. We want our guys to be freaks. We want them to be different. We don't want them to be the same, you know, high school kids that have missing assignments and detentions and things like that. We expect our guys to be different. And, uh, you know, the community really kind of bought into this freaks mentality and, and, uh, we've been going pretty strong with that for the last, uh, you know, four or five years. But uh, it, it's been a progression over, a, a, you know, 17 years for sure. It wasn't something that we developed overnight. Coach, I think that is an, an awesome thing, you know, and, and you talked to all, all about, you know, the all the different things, your standards that you had. Um, and I think as coaches, a lot of times we get real caught up in loving those words and we know what they mean and we assume everyone else knows what they mean. And then we're saying, okay, uh, that is or isn't, you know, uh, relentless effort. And that is, you know, uh, and, and we don't make it obvious what we're looking for. You know, as offensive line coaches, we always talk about, hey, finish. You got to finish. You got to finish. But very rarely, uh, I think, do offensive line coaches sit down and say, this is what a finish looks like. This is what a finish doesn't look like. And, and what you're saying, you know, is, hey, these are our standards. And let's go through every single one of them. What does this look like? What does this look like? Because like you said, Anyone that, that comes off the street, I should be able to hand them this piece of paper and then know exactly, okay, is he meeting the standard? And I think um, that's awesome. And it's something that I've came through with football, and it's something that Walls has studied a lot uh, in the classroom last year. And, and uh, it was really, really cool to hear you talk about that because I think it is so important for kids in the whole program to know exactly what, what you're looking for. Yeah, and, and I can't take complete credit for it. Um, you know, because I've sometimes been one of those guys that, that would be like, oh, we're just, we're not playing hard enough or, you know, we're just whatever. And my offensive coordinator who's been with me, I, I've been here, this will be my 13th year. He's been here for 12 of mine. He, he we've, we've been fortunate to make the playoffs for uh, 11 straight years. And, and the only other time they made it was when he was the quarterback back in 2001. 
Uh, so he's fully invested in our program, but, but he's uh, the upper level math teacher, the calculus teacher. So he doesn't speak in terms of vague things. Um, you know, he, he's like, well, what, what, you know, I might say something like that on a Friday night and just, well, what do you mean? What do you want? And, and it kind of pushes me to say, okay, yeah, we need to develop for these kids. I mean, anybody at halftime or after a game say, guys, we got our butts kicked last night. We weren't physical. We weren't this, we weren't that. But, but what does that mean to a kid? You know, what does that mean when it comes to a, a, how are they going to get better? You know, are we going to go out and make them, you know, run into the wall 40 times so they become more physical? Or are we going to go out and beat them into the ground? Or are we going to give them actual tangible things that we didn't do well? Okay, we're getting beat off the ball. Our first step is too long. Um, you know, we need to back up a little bit so that we get better angles. Or, you know, we've got to have specific things because I mean, these kids aren't dumb if we teach them what we want, they're going to try to do it because they, they want to be successful. But when we speak in those vague terms about how we want them to go hard and play it a hundred percent, you know, no one knows what that means or what you expect. And so over time we've realized, you know, what we expect out of our various positions and our kids. And, you know, we're still a work in progress. Um, and sometimes it's hard not to speak in generalities and not say, Oh man, so-and-so is getting whipped up there. Well, what do you mean getting whipped? You know, that's easy to say that, but how can we do, like, what's going on, you know? And sometimes it's that guy across from is really dang good. So we're going to have to double team him or we're going to have to read him or we're going to have to do something different. But at least we're speaking in some specifics and not speaking in broad general terms that, you know, anybody in the stands can use. The other thing it does too is I think it gives you, you know, with, with those specific things that, that you want to be able to see, you can measure all those things too. So you're able to get, gather data around those different things as well. So, you know, when, when somebody do, does say something, it's like, hey, well, we can measure some data or we can gather some data and we can make some, uh, some decisions with that. And I know you've, you've been a guy, uh, you know, Coach Holler had, had kind of recommended uh, you to us and, and he's a, a big data-driven guy too. So were there some things that you were able to kind of pull from, you know, maybe some, uh, some clinics that you had, had spent with him or time with him? Maybe tell us a little bit about the story. You know, now you've set kind of your, your standards and your frameworks. How did you now start to use data or how did you now start to maybe modify things and, and kind of take it to that next level to where you guys are now a perennial contender in the state of Illinois? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think we were uh, um, just kind of guilty of having a lot of success early. Uh, my first three years, actually my first four years, we were 44 and five with, you know, two semifinal bursts and a, a quarterfinal berth. And we just weren't ever quite able to get over the hump. We were, we were in games in the semifinals. We had a lead in one and, and um, you know, and then after that, we kind of dropped off. We had a five and five year and then a seven and two year and then an eight and three year. We were making early exits in the playoffs and, and we just, we needed a, needed a spark. It just seemed like, you know, we were, and the more that we struggled a little bit, we were really trying to press on the kids and then trying to do things even harder than we were before. And it seemed like we were going in the opposite direction. And um, at that same point, about three years ago, I started coaching track um, because before that I was a football and a basketball guy. Well, both of those sports are, they're grinder sports. You know, you, you got long seasons, you, you want to outwork your opponents, you, you know, you got to make sure that uh, you, you just, no one in the area is going to beat you because of how hard you work and such and such. And then you get into coaching track and you realize, okay, if I take my same football mentality to the, the track, uh, we're going to be the slowest track team 
around because all my guys are going to be tired and sore and pulled muscles and we're not going to be able to compete because, you know, we're burying them in practice. And I came across Coach Holler and uh, so I really started to understand max speed and I started to kind of build that into our football program. I cut out all the conditioning, you know, a few years ago and and then Coach Holler wrote some articles about, you know, he was an assistant football coach for a long time and and what he would do, how he would take his feed the cats, you know, minimum effective dose strategy to the football field. And it, and it really sparked my interest. Um, we were getting ready for the season, though, two years ago in 2017. I mean, we were either starting it or about to start. And so I kind of put it off to the side a little bit. Um, towards the end of that year, we really started shortening up practices. Uh, but then this past year, we had a veteran group and we decided we were going all in. And um, we decided that if we wanted our guys to play at their best on Friday, we couldn't try to get their best out of them on Tuesday and Wednesday. And I felt like, you know, a lot of football coaches, and I'm just as guilty, anything that I, that I say that uh, we don't do anymore is because we did it. Uh, you know, I've done all of these things, you know, that I think football coaches do because they, they are scared that if we don't do enough, then we're going to be the reason that we're not successful. And, and so that pushes us to work hard because most of us, I mean, I was a slow lineman. I mean, if I wouldn't have worked hard, I would have never played. And, and so we kind of coach with that mentality. And so this year we just said, you know what, we're going to try to cut out anything in our program that does not relate to football. Um, and we're going to get these kids in and we're going to get them out and we're not going to put pads on only on full pads on Wednesday. Uh, we're not going to come in anymore on Saturdays. We're going to prioritize rest. You know, we're going to treat this like, you know, I was treating our track program and, and I felt like we had the guys that were experienced. We had the guys that were disciplined enough to, to understand that mentality. We, we took the idea that we're going to play as many different guys as we can. You know, we're not just going to play Ironman football and put our best 11 out there. We're going to try to find our best 20 or so and try to play as many one-way guys as we can. And, uh, man, we, we made it through this whole year without a single um, soft tissue injury. We had one kid uh, break his hand on the second day of practice, and, and that was our only injury uh, the entire season this past year. Uh, we had one concussion at the freshman level, um, and it, it was a result of the fact that we kept our kids as fresh and as fast and as healthy as we could through the week. And when, when it came to Friday, you know, they were ready to play lights out. And, and we're the, our, our nickname is the Panthers. So I kind of took this approach, especially defensively, that I was going to keep them caged up all week. And so uh, when it came to team time, especially defensively, because at the small school level, our scout teams have an extremely hard time trying to run. I mean, one week you're running triple option. The next week you're running shotgun spread. The next week you're running wing T. You know, the next week you're trying to run the single wing. It's never very good anyway. So I may only give our team defense three or four reps a night and our number ones. And they would make them mad because they like to go out there and fly around. And I would just tell them, hey, you know, you got to show us on Friday night. And they would take the field just with a, with an edge and, and be fresh and and for the first time, we gave them the entire weekend off. We used to bring them in early on Saturday mornings, and that was huge for our recovery. Uh, we didn't take the field at all on Mondays. Uh, we watched our film. We did sprint work on Mondays. Tuesdays, we were in helmets only, um, going against bags, putting our install stuff in, you know, maybe some up-tempo stuff, some no-huddle stuff to, to work on repeating plays, and we got them out of there. And then Wednesday, we again, we went full pads. 
but very limited contact, very limited team time. Thursday was our walkthrough, and, and we got to where we were spending, you know, less than seven hours on the field, and in somewhere between five and six, six and a half hours on the field a week, and, and our guys were able to play fast, stay fresh, and and uh, be healthy the whole year, and and uh, they loved it, and uh, you know, they I think they understood that we for the first time that we cared about their physical well-being and not just, um, you know, how much we could put them through, but, you know, how healthy and fresh we could keep them to play and, and play lights out on Friday. Coach, I, I think, you know, you hear this and we talked to Coach Holler and, and, man, it all sounds so good, but it's such a huge change, um, I think, from the norm and what guys are used to. Was that a, a, uh, a nerve-wracking thing for you to say, hey, we're going to dive all in on this or – or is it just like you said, you'd, you'd been kind of, you know, putting it around and then finally you're all in on it. But, uh, I, I've, you know, I've, I love it and there's different, there's so much of it that I like. And then it's also like, man, that's a, that's a, um, you almost see it as a big risk to try it. It's obviously it works, but, it, you know, was there a, a nervous point where you're like, man, is this, is this really going to work? Yeah. I mean, I think anytime you, you, change something that goes against the norm you know I think coach Holler says it best you know if if you are losing doing the same things as other people um, it gives you kind of a sense of security because hey I'm running the same spread RPO offense that you know everyone else is running you know our kids just aren't good enough to do it or whatever and it kind of gives you but it's when you go outside of that comfort zone you say you know what hey there's not very many programs that are only putting their guys in pads for about an hour and a half a week. Um, but it was what we felt like would put us in the, the best position to be successful. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have, you know, my two main guys that have been with me for eight or nine years are outside the box thinkers and they were all in on it. Um, the funny thing was, is we, we hired two former players this year that played for us under the, the old way. And, and so we were, you know, through the preseason, like, Coach, I just – I don't think we're going to be tough enough. I, don't, I just don't know. I don't think these guys are – you know, because everyone <laughs> yeah. has those, um, you know, those fears. But uh, – and I said, hey, here's what I know. Both of those two guys were all-state caliber players. I said, you guys came into this program with that mentality. I go, think back to the people that weren't very tough and on your teams. I said, they played for four years under that mentality. How much tougher did they get? And they did it. You know, they, they really don't. I, I think coaches overvalue the fact that they can somehow turn some kid that doesn't have that killer instinct mentality into some crazy animal. And, and I just don't think that happens. Um, and what ends up happening a lot of times is we run a lot of those kids off. I think back in my career to a lot of those kids that were very underdeveloped, um, you know, overweight as freshmen and sophomores, you know, probably hadn't hit puberty, you know, their last and all of those types of things end up quitting because they, they don't have any success because we're always putting them in positions where they, they aren't successful. And then by their junior or senior year, you know, they've shot up, they've filled out and you wish you'd had them back out, but you can't get them back out because you've already kind of ruined them through that, you know, military style training or whatever we've all done for so many years um but when you focus on speed and you try to get every kid you know as many quality reps and you focus on their technique and you run plays right and you run them um in positions where they can be successful um and you don't bury them every single practice the kids enjoy it they come out they play hard for you they 
they know that you care about them and you know for our guys and we were I mean we had talent I mean this year you know we graduated a lot of guys we've got to fill a lot of holes we've got to find nine new offensive starters um you know and so are we going to go out and compete for a state championship well we're going to coach that way you know is every year going to be that way do I have some innate ability to turn you know a bunch of uh I guess inexperienced guys in the state championships. Well, we have a plan and we're going to coach them. Um, what I don't think I can do is through conditioning and an excessive amount of hitting and all of those things do that. So I'm going to go the route of we're going to try to teach them the technique. We're going to try to get them as explosive as we can, put them in the right positions, try to play as many of them one way as possible, try to rotate them, um, keep our, our system simple. And, you know, those are the things that we're going to do. You know, it, are we going to be successful every night? No, last year we lost two games. Um, you know, Beardstown we played was a big, a big physical team. We weren't ready for that at that point. Um, we had had a, uh, some, some relatively, um, I don't know, just call them easier opponents to start the year. And once we got into that game, we made some adjustments, some guys figured out, and, and we were able to reel off 10 straight victories and, and play for the state championship. You know, sometimes you run across teams – that are bigger and faster. And, and sometimes that happens, you, you move on. Um, but what I think sometimes coaches do in, in response to those things is, is if they, they get beat on a Friday night, the, the go-to is to go back to practice on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and try to bury them in the ground a little bit more and try to hit them a little bit harder and, and do more at practice because we're not ready to play on Friday night. Um, you know, with no concern of what's their recovery like, what's the rest like, you know, how healthy are they, those types of things. And, and I know in our career or my career, I've been guilty of playing just a slobber knocker game on Friday, bringing them in Saturday, sometimes even lifting them Monday, going out and conditioning the heck out of them Tuesday, hitting them Wednesday, hitting them, having a Thursday walkthrough and then expecting them to play better the next Friday night. And it's really counterproductive because they're not, they're probably in worse physical condition for that upcoming game than they were the Friday night that they got beat. And, and so, you know, we've kind of tried to get rid of that thinking and we've tried to, like we talked about at the beginning, you know, why didn't, why weren't we successful? Well, they got off the ball, they were lower. You know, we, we, we didn't have our kids ready in, in for this scheme that they were running and, and things like that. And that's what we try to try to work through football related things. And we try to get away from that vague, toughness, all those other terms that no one really defines other than when you get beat, you say you got beat because you weren't physical, you weren't tough, you know, but, but what, but why, you know, no kid wants to go out there and, and not give his best. So there's got to be a reason either he's unsure of where he's going, you know, the kid is bigger than him and we asked him to do a job that he can't physically do at this point or something. And, and those are the things that we try to figure out, you know, this year we're going to be smaller than we were last year. So we've got to figure out, okay, how can we be successful with a five foot 11, 170 pound guard? You know, obviously we can't make him block a one-on-one -on -one situation against a 6'3", 275 pound D tackle. And if we go into a game and we ask him to do that and he gets his butt whipped all night, that's our fault. It's not because he wasn't physical enough. He can't do that job. And, and too many times, you know, I've been guilty of already knowing what our kids couldn't do putting them in that situation and then getting mad because they couldn't do what I already knew they couldn't do. So why can't we just put them in a position? Hey, I'll tell you what, we can down block this guy. We can pull that guard around the edge. You know, we can reach him. 
we can, you know, trap them. We, you know, what can we do and write down the list of the things that these kids can do, not what they, you know, not what we think they should do, but what can they do and then put them in those positions to be successful. And, you know, it's changed things for us. And like I said, this year is more challenging because, you know, last year we brought back a whole bunch of guys that had played three and four years, you know, this year offensively, you know, we're going to play a lot of juniors are going to be in their first varsity. We're going to be a work in progress. Um, you know, but I believe by the end of the year, we're going to be playing our best football and, you know, hopefully our guys are going to stay healthy and they're going to stay fresh and, and, uh, we're going to, we're going to treat them as football players and we're not going to try to turn them into some physical monsters because, you know, maybe they're not as talented yet as the group we had last year. Coach, man, I love it. I think, you know, there, there's so much truth to it. I mean, you're talking about being a, a developmental program, whereas, you know, you'll hear some of the coaches in and you, you lose numbers, you know, from, from a lot of that militaristic style and, and the way you treat kids. But I think you lose numbers, too, when you write kids off too soon. You know, I mean, it becomes that deal where, oh, he can't do it. He can't do it. He can't do it. And, and nothing ever comes back on the coach instead of well, you're not developing him. You're not teaching him that. You're not showing him how to do that. You're running that kid into the ground. You know, and, and it sounds like the program you guys have now is it's way more focused on, hey, man, we're going to develop you as an athlete. We want you to become explosive. We want you to, to add good weight. And then, hey, guess what? If there's going to be matchups that you, you don't have, we're going to teach you techniques to be able to win or we're going to call plays that put you in a great position. I'm never going to blame you for those things. So I think you talk about kids quitting and, and kids not being attracted to football programs. That happens so early on, and you see it all across America because a kid's an eighth grader or a ninth grader, and you're like, oh, that dude will never play. Well, how do you know, you know? Right, and, and then those kids end up being the kids that are in the hallway, and, and you know, you get a college coach come in, they're like, what's this kid? Well, he doesn't play football, you know, and, and then, of course, the, the default answer is, you know, he's just soft or he's just soft, whatever. Man. No, he, did, he didn't have a good experience in your program. It's not that he's soft. I mean, we, we write these kids off that they're soft. You know, yeah, they've got more technology and they, you know, they spend too much time on their phones and blah, 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 blah. You know, but they still want to get – I mean, the guys that we have, they still want to get out and play. They want to play football. They want to do things. And, but if, if they don't have a good experience and if we put them in positions to constantly fail or we, or we tell – a you know, we put the 300-pound kids on the line to run gassers across the football field and expect them to make it in a certain time and then make the whole team run because, you know, th that's not what they do. And that's not what they're going to have to do on Friday night. We're going to need this 300-pound tackle to maybe block for six seconds. So why don't we find a drill within our practice that works on blocking somebody for six seconds? If he's having trouble blocking a linebacker, a gasser, a bear crawl, rolling down the field 100 yards is not going to help him. But working on his technique is. But, you know, I've been as guilty as anybody. When you feel like you've taught that kid what he should do and he doesn't do it, sometimes our default is, well, he needs to be punished because he's not doing what I told him to do. Well, it's probably one of two things. It might be three things. One is we're not teaching it well enough. Two, we, he physically can't do it right now. Or three, obviously, is some kids don't want to do it. And sometimes that happens. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those kids will eventually weed themselves out, um, you know. But it, it, but it won't be a, a, a because we're going to put them in positions not to be successful. You know, I'll give you an, an example this year where we, 
we decided to, to really get outside the box. We had a, um, our quarterback this year uh, was a senior. He was a returner from last year. He was a three-year starter at inside linebacker. About midway through his freshman year, he started inside linebacker, all-conference type kid. But, I mean, he was, we're a 3-3 scheme, so he's playing our strong inside, always in the mix, and, and, it, and he was really it, – it kept him from being as effective as he could be at quarterback. He missed a game for a concussion. He was beat up here and there. And so we decided if we're going to do this, let's do it. Let's take this junior who's not quite as good as he is at linebacker, but as a team we're going to be better if we play him at linebacker most of the time and we play our returning quarterback at quarterback because – you know, if, we've, if we're on a defensive stop where they've went 17 plays or 15 plays and, and we stop them inside the five, we're going to bring this kid in fresh at quarterback. We're going to bring in a fresh entire offensive line, um, and we're going to go the other way. And we, we went all in. Our, our quarterback played eight snaps throughout the regular season of defense, and he was a returning all-conference player. Um, but he also threw for 1,500 yards. He ran for two or 300 yards. He had the, you know, his best year. We were much more explosive because we were able to throw the football. You know, he had very limited fumbles. And he enjoyed the fact that when he took the field on offense, he was rested. Now, my old way of thinking was, hey, he's one of our best 11 players. We got to have him on every side of the ball in special teams. But, but as a team and, and for what we needed, we needed him to be fresh. And this other kid that's now going to be a senior, he's a returning starter now at inside linebacker. You know, he got quality reps. He felt empowered because, you know, we trusted him and believed that he could play a spot that maybe going into the year he didn't think he was going to beat out a senior. You know, we still we still uh, worked our senior quarterback at inside linebacker, and we had him ready. But we just didn't need to use him. We stayed healthy. He played one side of the ball, and, and we really limited the amount of times he was hit. And, and you know, it it works. And, and so one thing I tell coaches – when I talk to him, it says the first thing that you should do when like at a clinic is you should go home and make a two deep depth chart, make, you know, think of the craziest one, like, okay, this kid right here was not very good last year, but he's grown about three inches. He, I think he can play some left tackle for us this year. Put him in that. See if you can find as many one way starters as you can, because that'll get you in that frame of mind of trying to play more kids. Cause we all get locked into these games where we're going to go with our horses. Well, sometimes by midway through the first quarter, midway through the second quarter, late in the fourth quarter, our horses aren't horses anymore if they're playing every snap on everything. Um, and some guys can. We had four guys this year that went both ways. Um, but we also rotated them in. But they were our best athletes. They were, um, you know, our guys up front didn't. We didn't expect them to. And, and so we, we were so much better off by doing that. And, and, and I think – if I was at a big school, there's no way I would play anyone both ways. You know, at our school, there's, we have to. We, we got to train everybody both ways, but we're still trying to try to play as many kids as we can. Um, you know, and last year we were very fortunate that uh, we stayed injury-free, and I think that was a big reason for it. I think another thing, too, that it does, too, is the, those kids, again, that, that are coming up to the program that are developmental, you know, they, they don't lose hope either. It's like, man, Coach is trying to get a lot of guys on the field. So, I mean, I'm going to have a chance to to play rather than, you know, maybe somebody gets hurt or you're playing, you know, eight guys both ways. It's like instantly, well, man, I've been practicing as the number two outside linebacker and the first guy got hurt or the first guy hops out and all of a sudden now they punt, they throw in some other guy who's been, you know, a two-way guy or an offensive guy, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden you look back and, and what kind of message is that sending to the, to the rest of the squad? You know, whereas now 
when it's all inclusive and it's all hands on deck and let's get as many dudes on the field. And if, Hey, if you, if you prove to me that you're going to be a freak and do all the things right and you developed as an athlete, we're going to find a spot and get you on the field. Yeah. And, and the other thing is you got to be patient. I mean, it's really easy. I mean, you think about it, you, you make a substitution, the first play out there, he misses the block, you know, and the, the, the instinct is, well, got to get him out of there, you know? And we did, and we, we, you know, when it, came, when it came down to third and two or fourth and one, our guys, our dudes were in there, you know, our, our best guys were in there. But, you know, if we went two or three snaps with, our, with the backfield, we might bring in three new guys in the next, you know, two or three plays. Um, and then you know, early in the year, uh, we were rotating in, we, had, we were getting nine running backs the ball in a game. You know, not every situation, but guess what? This guy's really good at jet, so let's get him in and run him on jet a few times. You know, this guy's not a very powerful blocker, but I tell you what, he'll fake like crazy or we can give him the ball on sweep. You know, like I said, what things can those guys do? Get them involved. Get your dudes that you're going to need down the stretch, the guys you're going to need in the postseason. I mean, our All-State running back, he was a two-time All-State or he got it his junior year. I wasn't sure if he was going to make All-State because going into the All-State selection, end of the regular season, he had a total of 80 carries. That was it on the year. He had like, but he had like 900 and some yards. He was averaging well over 10 yards a carry. But there were guys that had 200 carries for 1,800 yards, you know, in an I system or whatever. Our guy was getting, you know, less than – actually, I think he had 60 carries. He had 60 carries for like eight or 900 yards. He was averaging 13 yards a carry. Um, but he was averaging like five-point-something carries per game. Um, you know, but when it got down to playoff time, there's games we needed him for 14. You know, we're a wing T three back system anyway. Um, but there were games we needed him for 12 or 14 or whatever. I don't think any of our backs ever got 20 carries. Um, but you know, we weren't dumb. We're not going to put a guy out there that can't execute a fourth down or whatever, but we are going to try to find ways to get those guys on the field. And, and sometimes even though in a fresh one-on-one -on -one situation, you know, Johnny's not as good as Tommy, but in the fourth quarter or the third quarter when Tommy's been playing defense all game, Johnny's going to be just as good at offensive guard. So let's train up Johnny as, and let's give him a role and let's let him give him every opportunity to earn that job. So and, and initially our guys were a little bit frustrated that some of our – because we had guys that were two-way starters from a year before that were one way, you know, but – um, just tonight, before I got on here, I, I just had a, uh, met a lot of my last year's seniors. We always meet up one last time at Buffalo Wild Wings. And uh, we were talking about, you know, going both ways and how much more fresh they were. And um, one of our guys that went both ways week one, he goes, Coach, I was so gassed. You know, I was so glad when you played the other guy at guard and I could just focus on defense. I mean, they understood that they were better football players when we were giving them as much rest as we could. Um, as opposed to, you know, running them into the ground. Coach, man, I want to ask you a little bit about um, the, the Monday practice that you guys went to, and you said you, you guys would do some speed work and, and maybe some, some timing work or, or whatever. I'm kind of interested to, to hear some of that aspect because, you know, obviously, we've gotten into some of the, the, the Feed the Cat stuff with, you know, uh, doing a lot of the record, rank, publish, you know, making sure our, our guys are fresh. And if we're having guys, you know, falling off, being able to kind of figure out where, where that's happening, you know, be it the weight room or, you know, the way they're recovering and things like that. How did you guys kind of structure up your, your Mondays knowing that that was going to be the emphasis? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what our old Mondays looked like. Our old Mondays were <laughs> film. We might run them for penalties. Then we would go out 
you know, we might do, you know, we do our, our walkthrough or whatever install, whatever was going on. If there's, a, you know, different formations we had to talk about for their opponents. And then we would condition maybe even like 30 minutes. And we're talking the long, slow, drawn out stuff that no one goes hard. And the coaches chit chat sometimes during it. And, you know, and I think back now just how dumb it was and how much slower we made our fast guys by making them do that. Um, and so we got rid of that and we decided, you know what, we're not even going to go outside on Monday. Um, I'm very lucky at the small school level that I'm the head football coach, the head track coach, the head strength coach, and I teach athletic PE throughout the day for three periods where I have most all of our athletes. So like, it's on me. If, if they're screwed up, if they're slow, if they're beat up, I don't have anyone to blame but me because they're literally with me um, throughout most of all of those, you know, things that happen. So on our typical Monday, you know, of course, we've given them the weekend off. Unbelievable how much more refreshed they come back when you'd let them sleep in till 10 o'clock on Saturday. I mean, if they've played a, a, a tough game on Friday night and let's say it's a long road trip, you get home at 11 o'clock, we would bring them in at 8 a.m. You know, and, and the coaches really hadn't even had time to break that much film down. And then we're watching film and we don't even have necessarily our trade films yet, but we did it because that's how we always did it. So we just cut it out and said, you know what, with Huddle, we'll share stuff with them through the weekend. You know, we'll give them specific things that they're supposed to do at their time whenever they fit it in so that they come back ready to go on Monday. So if they were in my class on Monday, Monday is our sprint day after a full weekend off we will max velocity sprint, you know, three sprints, whether that's a flying 10 meter, whether that's a flying 10 yard, whether that's a flying 20, whether that's a, uh, a 40, you know, a 30, whatever our metric is. Most of the time we stick with 10s and 40s. Just, you know, if you get too many things that you're testing, kids don't remember where they are and what they, you know, if, if you have a few things, the kids know how, you know, what their best time is and they try to beat it. So that's they would train that way in my class. Um, and so that was it for them on Monday. They had no other physical work because they had done it in my class. And that was a, a benefit of taking my athletic PE is they knew on Mondays that they had film work and then we would do RPR, which is reflexive performance reset, um, a neurological reset. And then they were done. And they, the, the, the few guys that we had that either couldn't fit it into their schedule or for whatever reason, didn't want to take it, they would do our max velocity work you know, three runs. And then, um, that was it. Then we went home, uh, everything else we did, we did it in the classroom. And so we were done and out of there usually around four forty-five or four fifty somewhere in there. So they could get home and, you know, do their studies, whatever they needed to do. We could get to our lower level games or whatever else we had going on for those guys. And, uh, you know, and then Tuesday we just went in helmets. So again, they, they weren't, throwing the full pads back on we we gave them another day off from you know just heavy heavy contact and uh you know what i found throughout the football season is you know our guys got faster throughout we had guys setting prs on the state championship week um you know in retrospect the wrestling and basketball seasons which are very grueling you know i'm not saying anything about those coaches those sports are just tougher sometimes you got three wrestling matches sometimes you're in a super duel Sometimes you're in a tournament, basketball, you've got a tournament that's four games that night. You, you're not getting the rest. You know, guys got slower because of just the amount of 
work that they were doing throughout the year. But when it's football and it's one game a week, it's a lot easier to be able to manage the type of uh, physical and, and central nervous system work that you're doing. And uh, like I said, our guys were excited, you know, on Mondays, they were trying to set PRs. We tried to get, you know, we had a goal of getting um, 10 of our guys uh, on our defense under five in the 40. Um, we, we hit that a few times. We had one, our, our big nose is a, a, over a 300 pounder. So we knew that wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, but we, we set goals like that and, and, and our guys were excited. Um, when we got an extra a week uh, for the playoffs, sorry, an extra day in Illinois, um, you know, we finished our season on a Friday and we had a little playoff selection show on Saturday night. So we, of course they had Saturday morning off. We don't play till that following Saturday. So we normally play on Fridays. So for us, Saturday was a complete day off. Sunday was a complete day off. And then Monday, the first round of the playoffs, we gave them completely off. Coaches went to work. You know, we went to work on what we needed to do, but the players just went home because we didn't feel like we needed to squeeze in an extra day or more work. I mean, it's week 10. We are who we are. We know what we got. Uh, we just got to keep these guys fresh and healthy. And so our Tuesday became our Monday. Our um, Wednesday became our Tuesday. And so for that week, we went over 100 hours from when we had the pads on until we even put a helmet on. And then we went almost five days in between full pads. And, and we came out in the first round and, and we were able to win, I think, 43 to 18 or whatever it was. Um, you know, and our, and our guys stayed healthy. And, and we continued that trend throughout the playoffs until obviously we got to the, the Thanksgiving week. Coach, I love it. And, and obviously don't want to pry too much into maybe everything you do, but uh, obviously it sounds like Wednesdays you go some pads. Then, then what is, as much as you want to tell us, what does that Thursday practice look like? I mean, uh, in a normal week, what's that Thursday practice? Because, you know, you've seen them done so many different ways, and, and, man, it just seems like so many get really, really wasted or, or kids aren't really into it. What are, your, what are your Thursdays then look like, your day before the game? Yeah, you know, I used to do a, a Thursday practice plan. Um, and my practice plans are, 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 I mean, they're detailed out. But we also tell our guys that they're very fluid, like even through the week. You know, I'll just tell the guys. We, we might get together for practice. Guys, I got us out of here at 5.05 tonight. But I tell you what, if, if we get it and we get through what we want to see and, and we like it, we're going to keep rolling. And we'll be done. If, if we're done 15 minutes early, we're going home. You know, we're not keeping you. So our Thursdays are kind of ran that way. Um, we do uh, like our pregame routine to start practice. And then we go into our specials. So whatever we like. So if we like, you know, just our regular kickoff. And then these are our two, you know, we, we do a lot of, on, you know, different onsides and things like that. And so we'll rep the two, you know, say we like two of them this week. We'll rep those. You know, if we if we got perfect reps on those, we'll move on. We're going against a scout, but it is – and we're in shells just so we can fit into the shoulder pads and stuff, but it is not. We tell them no Thursday All-Americans, all that kind of stuff. And then we go right into defense, and honestly, there were a lot of weeks where I didn't give our ones a single team rep on Thursday. I would I would go through formation – so we might do a formation recognition period real quick. Okay, how are we aligned to this? How are we aligned to this? Any questions? When they get in this, what, what are we going to get? They tell me, okay. Might give them one, might give them none. They, they never knew. And I might say, all right, none. You get no reps. You got to show me tomorrow night what, what you're all about. And then we might get our number twos, three or four reps, whatever the scenario is. It just depends. If it's something we've seen a lot throughout the year, I don't need to get them a bunch of reps on Thursday. I've, got, I've seen it uh, against 
in helmets against bags on Tuesday of how we fit in. I've seen it full pads on Wednesday because we film everything and we go home and watch it. You know, if there's something I didn't like Wednesday night, yeah, we'll talk about it. But if I if we're fitting in right and I know what we're, you know, our guys know what they're doing, we'll move on. We'll do our our punt punt return. Here's what we like. We'll rep those, and then our our offense will run our script, whatever that is. It's usually five plays. We'll run our script. We'll go down and and do a little red zone. These are our plays we like. This is what we're going to get if we if we need a two point conversion. We'll run a two minute drill. Um, if we like that, we're done. And then we will. Uh, you know, usually one or two trick plays for fun at the end, and we're out of there. And our goal is if we start that thing at 320, 325, we're walking off that field at 440 at the latest. Um, and then we've got a team meal, and sometimes we have a speaker, and we're out of there by 515. Go home, get off your feet, rest, because tomorrow night is when we got to see it. And and that's, that's our mentality. Um, we, we're not rewriting the script on Thursday. And so I, I know how the order we do things but I don't have a time slot for any of it. And it's just a fluid, like a rolling track schedule. If we do it and we get it done, then we move on. And now if we have to repeat, then we'll, then unfortunately we'll repeat it until we like what we see. And so it's kind of on the guys. It keeps them locked in and focused. And, uh, you know, we'll throw things out like, you know, for a two-minute drill on a day, coach will say pick one. You know, who don't we – and I'll just say quarterback's out. So now we got our backup quarterbacks got to go in and run the two minute drill, you know, something like that. We'll throw those types of things in just to keep it fresh. You know, I'll call bogus penalties that they'll have to overcome. And, and, you know, we do those types of things, but um, it's short and it's, we just try to be efficient and we definitely don't want Thursday to ruin Friday night. And sometimes in, in the past, there's been times where I've gotten so mad and like a goal, I, I don't even do goal line defense anymore unless there's some special thing we got to worry about. Because there was one Thursday night I fired our entire defense and I put our JV defense in and I said, <laughs> you, that's it. You guys are going to – after about four or five just full-on plays on a Thursday, I said, you JV guys are starting tomorrow night. And after practice, the head coach is like, is that really what you're going to do? I'm like, well, I don't know. And he goes, that's what you told those guys. And those JV guys played their butts off. So you've got to own up to your word. Otherwise you're going to have to do some explaining. So I learned over the years that, you know, it's Thursday's not the day that we're going to try to figure out who your studs are for sure. But it's, <laughs> it's been a learning experience. Like I said, um, this is something that, that we do what we do now because somebody either showed us a better way, like that we saw them do it, or they did something to us that said, wow, uh, we need to rethink how we're teaching this because they just exploited us on that, you know. And so those those are that's how we've come up with the things that we do. It's not that we're super smart. Someone has usually forced us to do things a certain way because of how you know they've attacked us or whatever. Coach, uh, then being the the strength guy, <clears throat> what does your guys' in season strength then kind of look like? What days are you guys lifting then, knowing that you want to be a high performance come uh, Friday? Yeah. So in the fall, you know, it changes because I, I, I try to, I don't sport specific anything. I think at the high school level, Agreed. Um, you know, specific things should be done in your practices. Um, you know, and it's hard when you're the football coach to fight the stigma that, that the kids are lifting for football. You know, we've always heard that. Um, I don't even know what that means. I, I really don't. <laughs> but I guess if we had sleds in there and we were pushing them around maybe or something like that, but um, so our Mondays are always max speed, you know, whatever our first day of the week is because our, our central nervous system is as fresh as it can be. Uh, Tuesdays 
during the fall um, become our lower body days because of a, of Friday. Um, I don't like that, but that's how we do it because of Friday. So that, you know, those are usually our squat days. Um, and then Wednesdays are upper day. And then Thursday is, is our, you know, depending on where we're at, it, it could be a sprint mechanics day. It could be a plyometric day. It could be a reactional agility day. It could be literally a fun recovery day. You know, if it's, if it's a part of the year, like maybe we come back from spring or Christmas break or something like that. And we've had a couple weeks off or, you know, people are just, they get beat up. You know, I've got the, the volleyball team coming in and they're sore, the bat, you know, whatever the scenario is. Um, I listen to the kids. I, I haven't, you know, they, they trust me enough. I trust them. The ones in my class aren't trying to get out of stuff. So if they tell me, coach, we feel terrible. I am not a very good coach if I say, you know what, you need to suck it up and put, you know, all this weight on your back and squat in the squat rack. I don't care how you feel. Well, guess what? <laughs> that kid's going to have a horrible practice. He's not going to feel any better tomorrow, you know, so what can we do? Well, you know, we'll mix those things in. And then Friday, we just, it's like an explosive lift day, a game day lift. You know, we'll hit some, some quick front squat, we'll, nothing heavy. We'll be fast. We'll hit some deadlifts. We may do some box jumps, um, you know, high pulls things like that. We'll do maybe assisted jumps with the bands, but we just want to prime that central nervous system. Everything's fast. Everything's explosive. Nothing's a struggle set um, during the football season. Now, when we get out of the, out of the, the fall season and basketball moves around games and things like that, we'll try to put our, our heavier leg things later in the week. Um, and it just depends. It, it depends on the opponent, depends on the week. Um, you know, baseball's the same way. I just, I try to, try to figure out their schedules. I try to talk to them, you know, Hey, when are you pitching next? You know, what do you got going on? Because the kids respect that. And, and I think, yeah. you know, if we, if we, if we come in with that iron fist and say, no, Monday is a this day, Tuesday is a this day. And I don't care where you're at in your season. Yes. Can the kids go through the workout and can they play? Yes. But are they going to feel their best? No. And, and I remember when I first started this class, our kids were, uh, sore on like a, a Thursday night practice and our, our again our offensive coordinator says you know, these guys are really sore and it's like hey you know we squatted today it was whatever and he goes well I don't want to be sore tomorrow night and it kind of hit me like you know what yeah what you know how I, I understand this is what I think we should do but I don't want to you know I don't want them sore on game day either and and I'm not saying that that you know kids shouldn't lift but they they shouldn't feel beat up for a game day I mean that's that's counterproductive to them being successful. And so, you know, we try to work around those things. And the fact that we do train for the most part year round, you know, we, we have breaks and weeks off and things like that where we do different stuff. But, you know, it kind of eliminates that ebb and flow of, you know, get super sore. And then, you know, and we, we, we try to keep it simple. We don't institute. I mean, it, the, the Twitter world's getting crazy with all these exercises and everyone's trying to come up with this, you know, gadget thing to do. And, and I'm not saying that they, they can't work. I'm just saying that is if you have too many tools, then the kids don't really know how to do any of them very well. Um, and so we try to keep it simple. We, we want to squat. We want to hip hinge. We want to work the posterior chain. We want to push. We want to pull. Uh, and we're going to sprint and we're going to jump and, and we're going to try to recover and rest in between there. And, and we're going to try to make sure that our goal isn't just to make them tired and make them sore. Our goal is to try to train them to a place where they feel good enough to practice the next day and they're not super beat up. And, and you know, that's how we try to program things.
Love it. I think it makes perfect sense. Again, I, I've, I've really got into Coach Holler again a lot this year, and I think so many of his things make, make a ton of sense, especially, you know, from a, a skill position aspect. You know, I don't, I don't want those guys to be beat up. I want them to be able to run home run posts and be explosive on, on Friday nights. Is that something you've kind of seen now? Uh, maybe an increase in explosive plays or, you know, have kids told you maybe stories of like, man, coach, I feel fast and I feel great on the field. I feel like I can track things down and I'm making a lot of plays and we're hitting some home runs. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we were able to, I mean, just hit some, some crazy. I mean, we had multiple 90 some yard pick sixes. We had, you know, case in point in our, our quarterfinal game, you know, we're a, we're a double dive has been our best play for the last 10 years. It averages about 10 yards a carry. Uh, we were playing a, a, a rival team. We had beat them week four when they were undefeated and they hadn't lost since. And it had snowed. And so we're playing in the snow and they had just flipped the field on us on a punt. And so we're like uh, 85 yards, you know, we're on our 15. It's third down. We hit double dive for 85 yards and, and no one's even close. Um, we, you know, we blocked it perfect. Our tight end got to the safety, um, and no one's close. We hit the same play in our semifinal game and we, we played a semifinal opponent that had six plays over 50 yards, uh, in their quarterfinal game. And they hit a 60 yard reverse the field touchdown on their first snap. Um, or yeah, the, the second snap of the game. And I thought, uh Oh, here we go. But then we returned the kickback to about the 15. We scored on the next play. Um, and they end up scoring again in the second half or in the second quarter. Um, but we turned around and then we stopped them for six straight possessions. They hadn't been stopped more than one possession the entire year. Um, you know, they were a, a counter bubble type team and our kids were flying around and, and, you know, I, I, you know, I've heard some people talk about they've never been beaten because of speed. Uh, we have, I mean, we've always been a power run, double tight stack as many guys in the box as you want. Um, but there's times that we haven't been able to get to the edge. And so teams have been able to do that. This year they had to figure out what they're going to do. If a team was going to run a six against us, we were going to do things to get them out of that. And they were going to have to make a decision. We're either going to torch them. We're going to throw it out the flat. We're going to hit them on a, you know, a deep route, whatever. And, um, you know, we made teams have to play us three deep or, you know, and, and the teams don't want to play three deep against a double wing type team. Um, but we were able to do that with our speed. Uh, and there's years that we haven't. Um, and the other thing I'll say, um, you know, I love Coach Holler. Coach Holler is, a, is you know, he, he comes from a track background, and he is, you know, obviously he has changed people's thinking. Um, he's – I'm not as far over – let's say if, if regular football coaches are on the right, conservative, <laughs> you know, he's all the way to the left. I'm, a, I'm definitely left-leaning. Um, but I think some people think that, that – um, he, and he doesn't believe that you shouldn't be strong and things like that, you know, and he, he voices his opinion about the weight room and such, but, but I think his thinking on it is, you know, the weight room is not the end all be all and it can do bad. You know, there are dosages. I mean, we all can take aspirin for a headache, but then we can also die from it because we take too much. And so I know in the past I've been guilty of if a kid is a four, seven guy and he's squatting 315 well I need to make him squat 405 whether he gains an extra 20 pounds or not whether it's what it does to a spine and so forth and so I don't chase those weight room numbers anymore I can see it on the field and if my if our guys are flying around and, and they're fast and explosive um you know it, 
I won't say that we shut them down, but I'm saying we don't quest to try to put an extra 50 pounds on their squat and so forth. Um, you know, but we're not anti-weight room by any means. Everyone needs a, a base of strength. I believe personally that some kids respond better to more strength because they are more muscle driven and other people are more neurological driven. We've all had that kid walk into our program that's never touched a weight that is one of the fastest guys in the school. And then we've also, I've got so many guys that have came in very slow, high fives or high, yeah, and, and running under four that have responded better. I think if you do the weight room only in absence of any type of speed training of any kind, then I think it's, you're doing the kids a disservice. But I know there's kids that respond very well to the weight room. There's kids that don't respond well to the weight room. And so as a coach, it's trying to figure out, you know, what is that right amount? And I don't think there's a cookie cutter answer. Um, I don't. I think kids are different. Obviously, their, their body types are different. Kids mature at different levels. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's just so, it's been so ingrained that football players lift and lift and lift and lift. And I think it's hard to get away from that mentality but there's so many ways to win games. There's so many ways to be successful. If there was one way to do it, then every program would run the same scheme. They would all train the same way and everything would be done the same way. But, but there's not, you've got to do what you believe in. You got to do what you can coach and you got to do what you can get your kids to believe puts them in the best uh, situation to be successful. And for us, it's to focus on max speed and rest. Number one, strength. Number two, I would say, or one and one a, and then, uh, you know, try to keep our kids and put them in the position to be the most successful by playing them um, as many one-way guys as we can. And, and that's what we believe in. And, and we're simple as a as – a, uh, um, our schemes are simple. We don't have 25 run schemes. We got three or four run schemes. Now we, we doctor it up with a lot of other things that don't really matter that the linemen don't even know about. Um, and defensively, we disguise some things, but but we have our principles, and and we just try to play fast doing those things. So you know, by the end of camp, our stuff is in. We 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 don't need you know the first four, five, six weeks of the season to get timing down and all that stuff. Our our guys have been running our stuff, and I I think that allows them to play fast and allows them to to do things that um, you know maybe if they were if we were running these different schemes and reads and all this different stuff. I, I just don't know if our guys would play with that same speed and, and that same aggressiveness. Well, coach, I, I, I love it. And, and again, thanks for being so open because, um, you know, it, it is such a uh, interesting way to go about it. And obviously, like you said, uh, you know, you've, you've had great results from these past few years just with, uh, you know, how your kids are reacting to it. Uh, like you said, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you're not going to have as good a kid. Sometimes you are, but, um, you know, what are some of those intangibles that you can take care of and those soft tissue injuries, uh, how the, hard the kids are playing and, and how, you know, good they look uh, while they're out on the field. And, and some of those things are things that you actually can track. And so it's been eye-opening. It's been really, really great. But, uh, you know, the last question I always like to ask guys, uh, and a little bit unrelated, but uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? <laughs> uh, Forrest in Illinois w would be a great one to watch. Uh, they, <laughs> we got them in the uh, – so in the semifinals, they played Lena Winslow with uh, two D linemen that were going to uh, Iowa and uh, another defensive lineman that uh, is now going to be at Wisconsin-Whitewater. And, man, they were just getting off the ball and driving them off the ball. 
Um, you know, I, size doesn't matter. When you see a group of five guys get off the ball in unison, low and fast and execute, uh, I mean, I think – and when we flipped the film on, they were phenomenal. You know, their scheme was simple, but, man, they believed in it and they got off the ball. And, and I just asked our guys again this week, I said, was it, was it because Forsen was so much stronger than us and, and our guys were like, no, they just got after us and got off the ball, and they did. And it, it, was, uh, it was awesome to see an offensive line do that, and I think it definitely opened the eyes of our guys, um, you know, because no one had really gotten after us like that um, up to that point. And, uh, you know, I think that's what we strive to do. We, we, tried, we strive to get that first foot in the ground and get off the ball and, and get after people. Um, but I think you can definitely see, you know, who gets off and blocks to the whistle and, and uh, never stops driving. You know, I think the worst thing to see, um, and when you know an offensive line isn't very good, is when they take about two or three steps and they start looking for the ball. Then you know that uh, you, they're not going to be very good. And, and so uh, for us, those are things that we look for. But uh, those guys up there in that Northwest uh, and upstate Illini or whatever that conference is up there, I think they've won 20 state championships. You know, they know how to play football. And, uh, you know, our hope is that we, we get another chance someday to play them and, and hopefully we'll put a better product on the field. But uh, hats off to them because, uh, you know, they were a phenomenal football team. And, uh, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, you just tip your cap and say, hey, that team is better than you. And, and they were. And, and we'll gladly uh, go home with our second place trophy. And, and you know, we'll, we'll adjust some things and, and we'll learn from it. And, uh, you know, but we're not going to change how we – do a whole bunch of things because, you know, uh, a team uh, got after us like that. You know, obviously, if, if nothing else, it, it shows our guys, you know, what that looks like and what we expect out of them. So, uh, you know, I think, um, like I said, uh, hopefully that answers your question. Well, hopefully, Coach, you can just get a few linemen that are going to Iowa and, and that'll probably take care of a lot of the problems you're talking about. <laughs> yes, we've had one Division One guy, and he was a kicker at uh, um, Western Illinois University. Now, for us, he was an All-State middle linebacker fullback. But, uh, yeah, those guys aren't walking our halls, but uh, someday maybe. <laughs> well, Coach Van like Car Coach Harper said, I appreciate you coming on and, and being so uh, open and honest. And, and I, I think it's, it's guys who, you know, do try some different things and, and maybe, you know, kind of work away from the mainstream that honestly force people to at least – sit down and think and reevaluate and, and reflect on, you know, maybe there is a better way and, and what are some of those ways that we can kind of progress the game and, and continue to make it better for, you know, this sport that we all love. Yeah, absolutely. I guess the last thing that I would say um, is, you know, obviously the safety of the sport is talked about. You know, I, I see things posted about, you know, how, how much safer the game is and, and, you know, the other various sports, soccer and such with concussions. And, and, and I totally agree with that. My only fear is, is a lot of those coaches that are posting how much safer the game is right now are still those same coaches that are putting their kids in full pads all the time. They're beating on them. They're beating on them. They're, they're always hitting. They're, you know, they're doing all these things, running all these plays. And they're not making the game safer. You know, so if, if anything um, that people take away from this is, we really limited the amount of opportunities our kids had to get hurt. Football is a violent sport. I didn't want to put them in all these situations in practice. And I know some people are going to say, well, they're not going to be ready to hit on a Friday night. We teach them the technique. We teach them the hawk tackling. We do enough that they understand what's expected of them. Um, but we don't have to beat on them so much that, that, uh, and toughen them into some, you know, 
whatever. And so I, I think, you know, taking this approach, like I said, you know, we need more years of data to track our injuries, you know, but the, our, our first year of doing this, you know, we were able to make it through the season essentially injury free. And, you know, hopefully for us that continues. But, uh, you know, I think um, it definitely has helped make the game safer for us, I know, uh, in our program. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.